Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We continue with our SEC team previews. A familiar face joins us once again as we break down the Alabama Crimson Tide going into 2023 football season. Our good friend Chris Marler of College Football Uncensored, of course, Saturday Down South. You've seen 
all of his work and known fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Chris, it is a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. What's going on? Not much, dude. Uh, I'm actually, as luck would have it, I just moved to Columbia. So I'm like, I'm chasing <laughs> after you, apparently. So I was like, I hit you up when I got here. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, and then and then you showed me somebody on your show was like, rumor has it, Chris Marlowe to Columbia, which is disturbing and also cool at the same time, I guess. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm over here just trying to avoid the heat and all that good stuff. Got Pepper, my dog over here. And that's about it, dude. Just getting ready for the season. We're like 60 days away. Thank God. Dude, it's crazy. SEC media day is just around the corner. I was I was saying you got a new haircut as well. You're ready to go, man. I feel like I feel like you got a haircut that gears you up. Like you're geared up for a week three kickoff in Athens, Georgia at 3:30. You are ready. I got my two days. William, you ready are ready for a Williams Bryce Stadium humidity fest at high noon, my friend. You are, uh, I, but it looks good on you. It looks good, I, my friend. Again, it's a pleasure. This is the first time we've ever talked. By the way, where we're not talking. South Carolina football, which, again, I'm really excited because we've been diving into these SEC team previews, and Alabama is a team that is really, really intriguing going in this season. So without mm-hmm. further ado, we'll get into it. Let's first, Chris, look back at what happened a season ago. Alabama going 11-2, and 6-2 and two in the SEC, Sugar Bowl champions over Kansas State. But when you're Alabama, it's college football playoff, national championship, or bust. And you look at the Alabama Crimson Tide last year, the two games that defined the season, 52-49 to 49 loss mm-hmm. at Tennessee, and then the play, the, the loss, excuse me, on the last play of the game against LSU in overtime, 32-31. to 31. Again, you look back at that season, the only two blemishes. So Bama losing two games by a combined four points, Chris Moore. Uh, both of them were, oh. by the way, both of them were on the last play of the game. But yes, yes, correct. Yeah. Yes, because the field goal at Tennessee. Just talk about the 2022 season because I want to get into it later in the show, but there's this yeah. feeling of, you know, is the Alabama dynasty over? I feel like every time Alabama does not win the national championship, yeah. that's the question we spend the entire offseason asking ourselves. So, you know, all in all, was it a terrible year in 2022? No, but at the same time in Tuscaloosa, when you don't win the national title, it's not a good year. And you don't even make an appearance in the SEC championship game. It's not a good year. Yeah. So, I mean, where do you, you want me to start with the positives or negatives? We'll do both. Wherever like, you want to go. Down, my so yeah. we'll say, so just because, because like, I, this is what I, I pride myself on. If we're, I always say this on sports. I said it before I blocked big game boomer three days ago. <laughs> if we're going to talk about sports, we're going to do it with facts, right? Like, so I think that whenever I start talking about Alabama, especially with Georgia fans, because Georgia fans are the worst, that whenever I bring up Alabama, it's like, well, he's just a homer. He's doing this and that. Like, I'm not going to say anything that is not, in my opinion, like, like, well, what's the word? I'm like, researched. And, and like, there's, we're going to talk about it with facts. If you're looking at it from an objective viewpoint, I, do I think the dynasty's dead? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you, you, you played for a national championship two years ago off a team that I will maintain forever that was held together by Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and duct tape. Like, that offensive line was terrible. You go into last season, you kind of think it's going to be the revenge tour. You're coming off this, like, devastating loss, however you want to look at it with the national championship game, where I'm not saying that people don't have injuries, and I'm not saying you have to overcome injuries. I think that if you're being objective, it's difficult to have your two top receivers out with a best of three, basically, with the greatest defense of all time. Georgia, tremendous team. I think that Georgia wasn't winning the national championship and gone 29 and one over the last two seasons. The talk about this wouldn't be as drastic as it is, but you have all the narratives built into it, which are you have another team from the SEC that has taken the throne. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. Georgia is the premier program, not only in the SEC, but also in the country. If you were asking me to rank a coach to go out there and win me a football game tomorrow, 
I'm a diehard Alabama fan. Kristen Saban's my one of my best friends. I'm taking Kirby Smart. Like I like I'm I, I am. And we can all I think that we all seen that there are chinks in the armor for the dynasty, like for sure. You, you look at like the penalties, the like the pre-snap mistakes, the 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 lack of big plays from your receivers, the lack of stepping up. The offensive line was ranked 124th in the country two years ago and then sacks allowed. You have over 40 sacks that year. I think that the way that most people are looking at this is like, well, you you barely, you barely beat these two teams. And and you could you were a couple plays away from going eight and four, seven and five. And that's partially true. I think they probably should have lost to Texas. You could make a case for other games, especially over the past two seasons. It looks different. It looks different than it has in the past. That being said, God, I love, I love all this talk going into the season because anytime you start counting on a man saving and you talk about the NIL, like listen, the NIL stuff, you can say that he's complaining about it. It's a very unregulated and new like course of action that we're going through in its infancy where there's no regulations at all. And everyone's it's like from state to state, from team to team, from conference to conference, it's different for everybody because of the rules that are set in place from each different vantage point. That being said, if you think that Bama's going to struggle with recruiting, you think they're going to struggle with NIL, you're wrong. I mean, they they won't, they, 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 you know, they're not putting that money in the state and education. So I think that you're going to have some money going to NIL and all that kind of stuff. I think when you look at last year, in like the longest answer possible, very disappointing. You lose Tennessee for the first time in 15 years. You have to hear about it from Vols fans, which is the worst part about that. The LSU game, because because here's the thing, I saw this happen in 2021 with Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Alabama in the last play of the game by three points. Jimbo Fisher goes eight and four, signs this tremendous recruiting class, and all we start hearing about, I mean, Jimbo lucked himself into getting a a, a contract extension, right? And you go into next season. I don't think either of those teams go five and seven this year. But we've really built up those two programs based off of them beating Alabama. And if you want to look at it objectively, that's exactly what's happened. You can talk about Brian Kelly and everything he did in year one. Tremendous job. Heupel, I don't know what Bama was doing. Just ref- It's like me and my dating life just refusing to make a, a change. They're just like refusing to make an adjustment. They're just putting a safety on, on Jalen Hyatt the entire 60 minutes. Unbelievable. But when you look at LSU specifically, just and, and this is what I get. This is what I get so up in arms about when talking about the SC West going into the season. Bama didn't win their division. Sure, that did, that that did not happen. But let's not forget that te- that LSU was. They had to have four interceptions, including several late against Auburn, to avoid losing to a five and seven Auburn team. They beat Alabama on the last play of the game in overtime, which was the sixth one they've had in Death Valley against Alabama since the Eisenhower administration, and that's a real fact. Then the next week with a chance with all their stuff in front of them, they were like, they were outside the top 10. They get vaulted up to number five. They have the entire thing in front of them where they will be able to make the playoff. If they win out, they have to be Georgia. They have to win out their games. They have all that in front of them. They play a backup quarterback against Arkansas. They beat them by three points. They go into college station against the worst team besides Vandy in the conference. You get boat race and beat by double digits. I just think let's take a deep breath. And let's think about the fact that it's a very tough schedule. You get a bunch of those games at home, but if we're just counting out Bama, unless you're Georgia, tread softly, my friend. Just if you're dancing on the grave, you you, you need to dance light. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and Chris, you speak on Nick Saban. Let's move there. The 17th year for the Crimson Tide mm-hmm. head coach. And you said something really interesting on Michael Bratton's show, talking about that you feel like he's only got probably three or four years left. Maybe I think everybody understands that we're on the back nine when it comes to Nick Saban. What, what's the overall mood of the Alabama fan base regarding 
their head coach. I mean, obviously, he's a guy that's beloved for what he's yeah. did in Alabama. I mean, literally built the Crimson Tide into a dynasty. But the overall mood, I mean, are, are most people bracing for the end or they just feel like it could come at any moment? Or, I mean, I'm sure the approval rating with Nick Saban is not one that you necessarily worry about. But at the same time, you mentioned all the changes in college football, and I'm sure he's really heard it from a lot of people, especially mm -hmm. if you're not winning every single game. It's like, well, why aren't you utilizing Portal more, NIL more? Mm -hmm. Like, you can never do enough, right? So just overall feeling, how, how would you gauge the feeling of the Alabama fan base around their head coach? So somebody asked me, I think it was Dari Noka and Doring, or maybe it was Aaron Murray. They, they were, I was on one of their shows, and they were talking about, like, if you had to bet on, if you had like a million dollars to bet, on Bama to win another title before he ends or to not win one, where would you go with that? And I would go with not winning one. I think that what Georgia has built is very, very difficult to take down. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they have, there's, I mean, Athens, Georgia is awesome in general. It's hard not to recruit there. They're just, what they're doing is, is they're doing it at a, at a pace and a clip that Bama hasn't even done it at. If you're a Bama fan, I don't know if bracing for the end is necessarily because, because here's the thing about Bama fans. As many of your audience would probably say about me in interactions, they're dumb enough and arrogant enough to think that this will never end. There's no way this is ever going to end. Um, I think that when you look at Saban, if you're being realistic, I don't think three to five years is is like I think three to five years is probably where this thing ends because I he I don't I don't see Saban doing something where he's going to. It's not about tarnishing his legacy. He's not going to do something if he can't do it to the best of his ability. And I think if you're looking at what he's doing now. It's a lot to keep up with, man. Nobody's ever going to feel bad for these college football coaches. You and I have talked about this over the last couple of years. You're not going to feel bad for college football coaches because they make millions of dollars, right? Like, luckily, they're not running any trips down to the Titanic because we all know how Americans feel about anybody that makes a lot of money. Too <laughs> sick, got you. But, but if you're talking about the fact that, like, like they make all this money, the portal is this, all of the changes happened all at once. The portal, NIL, and the NCAA was like, well, we're not going to make any more money off of this. Like, we'll just wash our hands of it. See you all later. And I think that it, it makes your job never ending because you're having to recruit, then have to re-recruit your recruits while recruiting in the portal, while and, and making sure all these things are in place. It's just so difficult. And if you're 72 and you've already done all this anyway, it's like, fuck, man. Like part of me wants to just go, maybe, maybe I'll just go play some golf. And maybe here's the other thing too. Maybe I'm not gonna like wake up and have to have all this shit on my shoulders of, of people constantly telling me what I need to be doing. The stress that comes with with that that job, which I think is the worst job in America to have, because you have the highest of expectations and always have, and you've had really two coaches that have built the entire 120 years of like your prestigious dynasty, right? It's Bear Bryant and him, and I, I just think that after a while, man, I, Bama fans more than anything probably need to get into an attitude of 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 being grateful because it is coming to an end, and whoever takes that job next is not going to win you six national championships in a nine-year span or 12, whatever it was. Like, that won't happen. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that – I think he goes three years, in my opinion. He might go three to five. Now, if you talk to him, he's not going to – you know, I mean, he'll go until he can't anymore. But I, I think that's where it ends because one thing about Nick Saban is he's not going to leave something at – like, he, he has that place in a much better place than it was when he got there, but he's not going to let that thing falter before he goes. Hearing you talk about that, Chris, I can't help but feel like sound, you sound like Gamecock fans at the end of the Spurrier tenure. Do you uh, think he'll quit midseason? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, he won't do it. That's <laughs> what Bratton was saying, and I was like, don't even start – don't put that out in the universe. Oh, man, it just sounds so eerily similar to the Spurrier thing. No, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm joking, obviously, but it's going to be really interesting to watch for sure. Let, let's talk about 
Chris, this 2023 Alabama Crimson Tide team, like you mentioned, if you're treading on Bama, if you're dancing on the grave, dance lightly. But you look, start on the offensive side first. The big question is who's the quarterback, right? Is it Ty Simpson? Is it Jalen Milrow? Is it Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer? You got a new OC, Tommy Reese, stepping in. Ja'Cory Brooks, your leading returning outside target. Jace McClellan leading the rushing attack. He ran for nearly 700 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Two of five offensive linemen returning. You mentioned that's a big question for Alabama, and I don't think that's a place we're used to Alabama having question marks. And, of right. course, there's a slew of young guys that are ready to step in. You know, today's freshman or tomorrow's, tomorrow's draft picks, if you will. But when you look at the Alabama offense, Chris Marler, under a first-year OC, Tommy Reese, which was a hiring that I, I think there were some mixed feelings. Right? I think anytime you're going from Notre Dame to the SEC, I mean, we heard it with Brian Kelly last right, year. Right. It worked sense. really well, but it, it's just there's some mixed feelings there. And then, of course, the quarterback position, I feel like it's really hinging Alabama's success on that who steps in at quarterback. Your thoughts on what Alabama will look like this season offensively? So I don't think it's going to hinge on the quarterback situation. And, and, and the reason why is this. If you look at Tommy – Tommy Reese's track record, the reason why you bring in a guy like that. Now, and, and here's the thing. Bama fans are the worst, like I've already said. Bama fans are the worst fans in all of sports. Besides Yankee fans, because Yankee fans are bags of shit in general. But, like, <laughs> when you talk about, like, like Alabama fans, Bama fans will sit here and tell you, oh, my God. You know, like, you you, you had Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, right, as your offensive coordinators. Those, in my opinion, are the two best offensive minds in all, all of football. Ryan Day might be up there as well. But in all cultural, those are, I think, the best two offensive minds. You have them as your coordinator like two years in a row. You have Kirby, then you have Jeremy Pruitt. Then you have, like, people forget when Kirby left, Pruitt had the number one defense in the country two years in a row after that. Mm-hmm. Then you bring in, you know, Pete Golding in, in 2019. Pete Golding and, and Bill O'Brien's offense last year was ranked in the top 10 nationally in scoring on offense and defense. It's only three teams that were able to do that. And, and people forget that because there were some questionable calls at times, and all that kind of stuff. I think when you have Tommy Reese, when you look at what his his offense does, and you saw it up close, and you saw it in the in the um, was it the Outback Bowl or was it the Gator Bowl or whatever it was. Yeah, Gator Bowl. Um, so that specific game, I will tell you what I see from Tommy Reese. You're going to get a lot of play action rolling out of the pocket. You're going to get a lot of tight ends involved, a lot of tight ends, a lot of two tight sets. You're going to have a lot of one back sets and stuff like that. It's going to be a return to power football. Bama's offense, like I already said, the offensive line the past couple of seasons has been really bad compared to the years before. This is the first time in the last six seasons that Alabama will not have lost a first-round NFL draft pick at offense or offensive line and or um, at the skill position. You didn't have any of that, which tells me two things. One, you didn't lose like a, you know, I don't want to say generational talent because they've been able to put those out there as well, but you return a lot at those two positions. You you have J.C. Latham, who's a former five-star, going to be your starting left tackle. You've got two really good five-stars coming in, uh, especially Caden Proctor, the kid from Iowa. I think that offensive line is going to play bully ball all year long because you can't rely on having a quarterback that's going to drop back and throw the ball 50 times a game under Bill O'Brien. Those last two seasons, Alabama had, they averaged 52% and 50.4% pass plays to run plays with Bryce Young at quarterback. It's the lowest they've had by a far amount in, in the Saban era. Tommy Reese's offense. When you look at what he did at Notre Dame in two to three years, they ran the football 60, 40, right? 60% of their play calls were running the football. Jason McClellan, you have justice Hayes. You got a couple other young backs that are really, really good. They're going to run the football and not try to make mistakes through the air. I think it'll be – you won't have these like the, – the offense will be explosive, but it won't be like before. The quarterback situation, I think Ty Simpson's your starter. But here's the thing about this. Jalen Milrow is a legit low 4-3 guy. He's a, arguably the fastest player on the team. 
Jalen Milrow, when you say that I'm not going to put him on the field, every time you do that, you're saying basically, I'm going to keep the best athlete on the field, off the field, on either side of the ball. And that's what worries me if you're Alabama, because man, like, you know, you might be leaving a lot on the table with what he's able to do, but you also don't have a situation where you're going to be able to have a guy that can go drop back there and not throw you. It's not just the fact that you've had Jalen Tua, Mack, and, and Bryce. It's the fact that you've had these quarterbacks that are first round picks that averaged less than seven interceptions a season for the last six years. You don't have that this time. Yeah, I was thinking, man, Jalen Milrow, watching him last year, it's like they're going to completely change the offense with him under center, which can be right. a really good thing. And I know, again, I heard you on uh, Michael Bratton's show, you don't think Tyler Buckner factors in at all <laughs> in the quarterback conversation. I mean, and I could be totally wrong about that, and I hate to laugh because the kid's probably – you saw him up close, but I think – You don't You don't think Tommy Reese plays any favorites because he's coming over from uh, Notre Dame. You don't think there's any – I mean, I'm sure that Nick Saban would never allow it. Yeah, either. that's the that's yeah. going to be the ultimate decision maker there. <laughs> Um, but no, I think that, I think that like, when you talk about, when you talk about with, with Tyler Buckner, I mean, Georgia fans have been huge onto this, right? Like, cause it's like this, I don't know how, but I don't think Georgia fans know that they've won the national championship. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Last two seasons, the way they act on, on social media, especially. So like talking about Alabama, like I, I think there is a concern because you did lose your number one overall draft pick at quarterback. Sure. But you've seen, there's not a better example than what we just saw in Athens, Georgia, of a very lowly ranked recruit, which Bama doesn't have in this situation, but a guy against all odds being able to come in, slowly learn the offense. Let's not forget about what's, I mean, Setson Bennett and Tyler Buckner's numbers his first two seasons are very similar. Like Setson Bennett 2020 is very similar to the numbers that Tyler Buckner's put up his first couple of years. Former Elite 11 guy, former top 100 recruit, four-star, all that kind of stuff. Offers from all over the country, offers from Georgia, Bama, Notre Dame. He's had a very injury-riddled career. What concerns me about him is not only that he has a lot of turnovers, he has them in like really shitty situations, and they're always costly. Like, I mean, that dude started out eight of eight against Ohio State last year in the first quarter. The last three quarters, he was like two of eleven. And it's not just interceptions, it's like pick sixes, and you're like, bro, he you know who he reminds me of is Jared Garantano. 
which is not a compliment in any way. I thought you were going to say Jake Bentley, but whatever. Jake uh, Bentley, <laughs> yeah, he graduated, right? He's like surely Finally, I, I think he might be going to his high school prom. I, I have no idea. Thank uh, God. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> moving to the other side of the ball, Chris. Kevin Steele returning as defensive coordinator. Kool-Aid McKinnistry stays are the stars in the back end, if you will, yeah. for Alabama. Otis Smith returning up front. But the big question for the defense is who is going to replace the production of Will Anderson, you've got Braswell, you've got Lawson, you've got Murphy all at the linebacker position with others. Your thoughts on the defense heading into the 2023 season? Well, you didn't you didn't mention Dallas Turner, which is kind of a shock. Yep, yeah, yeah, Dallas Turner as well. Um, yeah, you're right. You're I, right. I think the defense, man, this is this is why I feel so confident going into the season, is because that defense is going to be very, very good. Mm-hmm. Now it's gonna look different than it has in the past. Like, you know, I, I don't think I mean giving it 50 in a game seems like it's kind of unreasonable. Um, I, I don't think that would happen again with Tennessee, but who knows? I think the secondary might have some growing pains, but I think up front, man, that front seven, you've got some, excuse my language. You got some fucking dudes up there, man. And I tell you what, so going into this season, this is why I feel good about the, the Will Anderson thing. I think Will Anderson's a generational player at Alabama's best, best, best rushing. What do you want to defender is what I'll say. Cause I don't know if you want to call him an edge rusher or whatever you want to say. Um, Best one they've had since Derek Thomas, which is really saying something. But when you talk about the, the skill level they have at that position and what they're trying to do now with Kevin Steele, in the last three years going into this season, right, it's the only three years that 247 Sports has ranked um, the edge rusher position as its own position. So in that time, there's been 10 total five stars at that position. Alabama has six of them. That's, in, I mean, so the depth there is insane from a talent standpoint. Maybe they, maybe they all don't develop, but man, you know, maybe we go, maybe we take a baseball line here and we hit 300 here and go two, two for six. Cause I, I think that that would be huge. The big thing with Kevin Steele, what you really want to see in for, from last year to this year is the turnovers, man. Alabama ranked uh, outside of the top 100 in the country in turnovers a year ago, which is inexcusable. When you have that much talent, you're supposed to be getting the, getting that much pressure on the quarterback and all that kind of stuff. I think there was a game against AM where they, Will Anderson himself had like, I think, um, or the defensive line, like on 52 dropbacks had like 36 pressures or something crazy like that, but you didn't convert any of that into turnovers. So you had four interceptions the entire season. It's the lowest they've had under Nick Saban since he's been there. Kevin Seals defense, like they weren't like they were world beaters by any means when he was at Auburn, especially, I know what happened at Miami last year, but like when he was at Auburn, when you have like a bigger sample size, they were top 20 for four straight years. You had defensive backs. He was able to, to, or what do you call it, uh, to develop into first-round talent coming in. Um, I think they're going to be really good up front, and I think they're going to be really good on the back end. And the biggest thing is turnovers, working with short fields and all that kind of stuff. That, that'll be a huge improvement. Now, Chris, moving to special teams, you get your all-time points leader, Will Reichard, back, Australian punter, James Burnip returning, which I see you laughing. You know, man. I'm, I'm going to spit up my drink. Listen, I'm a South Carolina guy, Beamer ball, man. we got to talk about special teams, right? Uh, like, I, I can feel my heart racing right now. Talking about Alabama special teams. This yeah, is not my favorite yeah no, I know it's 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 been sort of a a mixed bag. I think that's putting it lightly for Bama. Yeah. But Riker again, been really good for you guys. Burnup is the punter. Averaged 42.3 yards a punt last season and just 15.8 yards per return on his punts, which was second yeah. in the country. So overall thoughts on the special teams, Ja'Cory Brooks, Kool-Aid McKinnistry, look as to be your kick returner, punt returners. Anything stand out for Bama on special teams? I'd imagine in Tuscaloosa, as long as special teams, if you're not talking about special teams throughout an entire season, I'd imagine yeah. success because that means they didn't screw up. <laughs> yeah, so I think, and here's the other thing, too, people forget, too. Like Bama, 
say what you want about that LSU game, but that Tennessee game, you had a lot of opportunities. As bad as that game was early on, you had a lot of opportunities. You just caught Will Will Reichert in like the one slump he's had in his eight years of being there. He was in like this little two or three games like slump where he missed, I think, three or four field goals. And I don't think that we did him any favors by not moving the ball closer uh, for him. Anyway, anyway, that being said, love this. This might be a strength that you can depend on, which is really saying something for that team. You you brought up Cooley McKintry and Jacory Brooks. Cooley McKintry is going to be one of the top punt returners in the country. He like from a from a number standpoint a year ago he already was. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at any like the preseason magazines, he's finally getting some love there. Um, I think it was over ten yards per return, which is which is really good. But he's he's been yeah. You got yours too. Yeah. I, I do, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I <laughs> so, lean on it, man. I lean on it. Yeah. The always. magazines. But no, so I think that Kool-Aid is going to be a guy that's that he could be a game changer flipping the field. You and you think about some of the seasons that Bama's had that give you a lot of you had a lot of success. 2009, Javier Arenas, one of the best returners they had in, in the Saban era. 2015, Cyrus Jones is a guy that was able to flip the field a whole bunch. Jalen Waddle, a guy in 2020, even though he was injured for part of that season. Um, those kind of things can be big for you if, if for such teams. And I think you have a guy like that in Kool-Aid. That being said, we've got an Australian punter, which is cool. That's, I mean, I, I don't know what, the, I don't know what the fuck is happening in Australia with punters, but my God, it, I mean, it's like Dominican baseball players, but like with an even smaller sample size, it's incredible. Like that's where all the best players come from. No matter how, that probably sounds like, like culturally insensitive. It's not, it's just a fact. So, but I think like, I, I always joke around with Drew Butler about this. I'm like, we had him on the show a while back and I was like, do you think that if you didn't have to bear the cross of being an American-born punter, you would have actually had a better career? And he's like, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I think it could be a strength. Love the fact that Riker came back. He's one of the best kickers in the country. And he's been big in moments, and he's also been able to hit from, from distance, too. Like, he, he had a, a 50 or 49-yarder against Georgia in 2020. Won you a game against Texas last year. I think that I think that, that that could be big. Hopefully, it doesn't come down to that. But, you know, like, you know better than anyone. It's it, it, at least once a year, special teams is going to win you a ball game. So, Chris, the overall outlook for Alabama this season, nine starters back, four on offense, five on defense. You look at the way the schedule sets up. You open up with Middle Tennessee. Then you got that big showdown week two against Texas in Tuscaloosa, which was a one-point game in a, se- a season ago. And, of course, Texas, we already talked to our Texas guy a couple of days ago, and that's a big one for them, you know, wanting to mm-hmm. show they're, they're worthy of that transition to the SEC, whatever. At USF in week three, you open up with Ole Miss in the SEC home opener September 23rd at Mississippi State the following week. Then you go to College Station against Texas A&M, which for whatever reason, that always seems to be a tight game. Jimbo Fisher, that is one certainly he needs going into this season. Then you get Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU at Kentucky, Chattanooga, and then at Auburn to close out the season, which... For whatever reason, that's a sexy upset pick. Hugh Freeze over Nick Saban, Auburn over Alabama in the season finale at Jordan-Hare. Your thoughts, though, on the way the 2023 schedule sets up for Alabama to make a run this season? So last year, you had to play five games on the road against teams that were either ranked or into the season, like ranked at the time or ranked at the end of the season. Um, All on the road. Arkansas, Texas, LSU, Tennessee. I'm missing one. and I I think Mississippi State. No, Mississippi State was at home. I'm missing one. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Um, you don't have that this year. You get all those teams at home, which I love. Going to Kroger Field. Listen, I'm white trash, so I go to Kroger without shoes all the time. I, I've come out unscathed <laughs> almost every single time. I just have some stuff on the bottom of my feet. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that Jordan Hare game is 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 scary because it's always scary, Jordan Hare. 
here's my take on the whole season. I think they lose to Texas. I think they lose. I think Texas is going to be a playoff team. I've said it way more than I should. I I just believe so much in Steve Sarkeesian, especially when he has dudes. And if you look at that offense, man, he's got dudes on that offense. Savior worthy, A.D. Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia. You all got five O-linemen back as well. Yeah. All five O-linemen. And plus two of those guys were five-star freshmen, uh, freshmen a year ago. You get a, a huge recruit. I think it's the second best running back in the country coming in as your as your starting running back to hopefully replace Bijan. You also have a couple other guys there in the tight end position. You're loaded. I mean, people talk about Brock Bowers all the time, and this is going to make me look stupid, but like because I can't think of the guy's name now. Of course, but Texas has the number two best tight end in the country, especially from an NFL draft prospect standpoint. Um, I think they lose that game. I think you're early in the season. You're still trying to figure out the quarterback situation. It could look very similar to what we saw in 2015, where they lost at home to Ole Miss um and and they, they lost early it's a september game you lose and then you got to run the table so i think they lose that game i don't really see anything else on that schedule that scares me i just don't i, I like maybe tennis because like here like we're prisoners of the moment and we just assume tennessee is back lsu's legit just i'm just gonna give you the sample size and you can say that i'm being biased or whatever Tennessee has beat Alabama one time in 16 seasons. This is the last play of a game where they had 17 penalties and, and, and did everything they could do wrong. And they won by three in the last second of the last play of the game. LSU hasn't beaten Alabama back to back in over a decade. They haven't beaten them back to back seasons in over a decade. And, and they they're two and nine against them in their last 11 games. You talk about the games they've won. Joe Burrow was the quarterback for one. They beat him by five points and they beat him last year by one point. I got to see more. I just, I'm just saying, I got to see more. If you're going to like, if those two teams combined are three and 27 against Alabama in those games that I mentioned, I got to like Bama's chances being at home in those games. Um, especially since they're later in the season, you should know what you have on offense by then. The defense is going to be stout. I think they go 11 and one. Maybe they go 10 and two. Now, if you're talking about a concern for Bama on that schedule, here's the concern. Maybe I'm totally wrong and they lose to Texas and lose to Tennessee, and then you're going into November with two losses and you don't have a shot at a national championship, a lot of young guys in that team. How do you keep that team together when you don't have Bryce Young, you don't have Will Anderson from a leadership standpoint? How do you keep that team together? That would be the concern for me if you're Alabama. Does, does they, are they able to do damage control or not? But I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I don't think they make the playoff necessarily because I, I think they end up at 11-2, and two, but that's that's right. I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that three-week stretch, the 14th, 21st, and then November the 4th, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU, and of course you get the bye week before the LSU game. That sort of feels like, I think, the defining stretch for the season. Last mm-hmm. thing, Chris, before I get you out of here, you know, I had this written down, and I feel like you already answered it. My question was this, is the demise of Alabama football greatly exaggerated, or is there a real reason to be concerned that there's a changing of the guard in the SEC? But you've been very clear, I mean, You've given a lot of credit to Georgia. They are the creme de la creme now. Like, yeah. they deserve it. But how does it make you feel, I guess, hearing, you know, Michael Bratton, many others, and I keep bringing up, <laughs> Mike, he, he talks a lot, obviously, the entire SEC. But, like, mm-hmm. it's hearing this narrative all offseason that, like, Kirby Smart has overtaken Nick Saban, best coach in college football, and that's fair. But it is one of those things, to your point, where it almost makes me feel, when I'm looking at the SEC picking these games, it makes me feel uneasy because it feels too easy to just say, well, Bama's done. They're gone. They've faded right. off. Like it just, that, that's just, to me, that's about all the certainties. Right. 
Think about all the certainties people are saying this stuff. The, the amount of conviction that people are saying it with, with nothing to back people it up. People have been waiting to say this for years. You can just tell. Oh, oh, people have they, been waiting. They haven't been able to do it since 2013 or right. 2015 when it was like Dan Wolken leading the charge. And if you want to fall under, you want to fall in line to Dan Wolken <laughs> making predictions about the dynasty, that, that's fine. It is different. It doesn't look as good. Georgia is the premier program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anyone's got to take that back from, but let's take a step back and let's deal with factual things. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, if we're going to talk about sports, we're going to do it in, in with facts and, and actualities, right? Alabama is four and one against Kirby smart against Georgia. Since he's been there, they're four and one. The one loss came a calendar month after they had a 17 point drubbing of them in Atlanta. So don't let Bama get to the, get to Atlanta and somehow upset Georgia again in the SC championship game. Cause then that whole narrative changes. Now you're, now you're one in five against Saban if you're Kirby mm-hmm. and that entire narrative changes. So don't let that happen. I love Mike to death. Mike's also the same guy that is born and raised a Tennessee fan grew up and saying that like we worked together at SCS forever. And I'll never forget in 2019, he said that Steve Sarkeesian was the ninth best offensive coordinator in the SEC and that Bama didn't have, they were only good because the talent, but bro, mm-hmm. like I love Mike to death. There's some, some of it's a lot of it's wishful thinking. That's all I'll say. Chris, one last thing really quickly. How excited are you for that South Carolina, Alabama matchup in Tuscaloosa next year? Oh man. I just, I just would like to get to a place where I don't have to hear about Steven Garcia anymore. I love Steven. <laughs> you know, he's my boy, but like every time, time, like it, just... <laughs> it is between that and the kick six, like two, I feel like somebody at two, four, seven, is either knows my ex or something's like, oh yeah, I think he's doing pretty well. Why don't we just drop a little social media bomb and be like, hey guys, it is May 13th. Remember the kick six? Like that, that is never doing 247 the whole never, time. Never a bad time to bring either up. Right? Never a bad, sure. never a bad time. Chris Marler, College Ball Uncensored, Saturday Down South. Chris, let everybody know where they can check you out. I know you've got a new Twitter account, by the way. So let folks know where, where they can find all your work. Yeah, I lost my old Twitter account because I made a Kirby Smart sex tape joke on April Fool's. So that was fun <laughs> for everyone involved. Thanks, Elon. Um, so it's Vern Funquist, B-E-R-N. Funquist Maybe the best Twitter. username on Twitter, by the way. Continue. I was going to change it to Rizzy McGuire when I got my new one, but I decided against it. I, I, I think Vern Funquist is so good. Um, so Vern Funquist on there, Cultural Uncensored is the podcast. We come out with a new episode every single Tuesday. It's a lot of fun. Um, if I always say, if you like football on the bleep button, you will love the show. Um, we have a lot of fun on there, so check that out for sure. And that's pretty much it, man. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. Sounds good, brother.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.